This is going to be the first in a number of talks I'm going to do. I'm going to call it testify. The what, who, how, where, and why of testifying to Yeshua's cause. I, uh, I sat down on Thursday morning and you know I read the passages prayerfully and I said, Yeshua, what do you want me to talk about? And I started writing and I ended up writing fiercely all that day and the next morning on Friday. I went so hard I kind of kind of wore myself out and I got a bit of a cold. But uh, he gave me a lot of material and I, you guys don't want me to cover it all today or we'll be here for about five hours straight, I think. So, but we're going to really look at this theme of, of who each of us as individuals are as witnesses to Yeshua's cause, um, our, our, our call to testify of who he is, and we're going to look at how that works as a community. We're going to look at a lot of practical things along those lines, how we as individuals and communities do testify of Yeshua's cause and how we can do that more effectively. And it's a really fascinating theme in Scripture. And uh, it actually, um, I think you could say we probably have the best definition of what, who a witness is and what a witness does in this passage, in this, um, in this parsha, this reading from the Torah. So let's just jump right in. And first we'll ask, what's a witness? What does a witness do? And in Leviticus chapter 5, verse 1, this is what we read. Now, if a person sins after he hears a public adjuration to testify when he is a witness, whether he is seen or otherwise known, if he does not tell it, then he will bear his guilt. And if you want to pop to the next uh, slide here, we will break this verse down in Hebrew because it really gives us a good idea of what, uh, what this is all about. So the first line you can see it says, the and nefesh, that's a soul or a person, ki techeta. That has to do with when a person sins by, and then we'll see. Next line. Veshama and uh, has heard kol. Everybody can say kol after me if you want. Kol is a voice or a sound. Allah. Everybody say Allah. It's the Hebrew word for an oath. It sometimes has to do with a curse also. So when a soul or a person hears um, like the 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 voice of a, of an oath. The sound of an oath, and that's translated as a public adjuration to testify, um, so that we understand what it's talking about. Interestingly enough, I'll just say a little thing about that. That word, therefore, Allah, is also the word in Aramaic in the Bible, like in the books of Daniel and Ezra, for God. So in Hebrew, you say Elohim. In Aramaic, which is a closely related language to Hebrew, you'd say Allah. So this is kind of interesting. Like in the Hebrew, it means like, you know, a public adjuration to testify and it has to do with an oath. But in Aramaic, that would also be saying the voice of God. Just hold that in your minds. Next line, third line. Vehu, that is to say, and he is an aid. Everybody say aid. That little word there spelled Ein Dalit is the Hebrew word for witness. That's our key word, aid. So if you are in a uh, legal situation, in a court setting, where you are a witness to something that happened, you are an aid, spelled Ein Dalet. Next line, O, that is to say or, Ra'a. Everybody say Ra'a. That's the word for, um, for having seen something, having been an eyewitness to something. Next line, O, that is to say or, Yada. Somebody tell me what yada means. That's a pretty well-known one. To know, that's right. It has to do with being um, consciously aware of something, to have known something, or to have experienced something. It, it, all of those ideas are wrapped up. In fact, in, um, 
in the English translation of the Septuagint, that word there, oyada, it's translated here as a witness or a scene or being conscious. So we'll, we'll come back to that concept in just a sec also. And then finally, the last line says, imlo, if he doesn't, yagid. Everybody say yagid. Does anybody know what the root of that word is? Hmm? Tell, that's right, if he doesn't tell. Uh, you remember the telling of the Exodus story during the Passover meal is called the Haggadah. That's right. So Haggadah, the root of that is Gimel Dalit. Those, those two Hebrew letters, Gimel Dalit. The Hagid means to tell. So if he doesn't tell, the Nasa, he will bear Avono, his, uh, his guilt, his iniquity. So uh, maybe just pop it back and we'll, we'll read that in English once more to cement that in our minds. If a person sins after he hears a public adjuration to testify, when he's a witness, whether he is seen or otherwise known, if he doesn't tell it, then he will bear his guilt. So that's the, uh, that's the concept. I'll give you the Hebrew and Greek words for witness and testify and uh, those concepts. And um, then we're going to jump right into talking about some the big picture with this. Uh, the Hebrew word, as I mentioned, for, uh, for a witness is aid. Everybody say aid. aid. Yep. Um, the Hebrew word for what a witness does, that is to say bearing testimony, or um, that, that which a witness gives, is edut. Everybody say edut. Um, that would basically be, that would be spelled ein dalit tav in Hebrew, e-d-u-t. I would transliterate that in English. Um, so, for instance, when the psalmist is talking about the testimonies of Yahweh and how they are sure, uh, the word there is his edut, his testimony. Um, that's a word that pops up frequently in the Torah in reference to the ark of the testimony. That's the ark of the edut. Uh, the tabernacle or tent of the testimony or edut. And also the tablets themselves are called the tablets of testimony. Edut. So this is a really big word when it comes to understanding the function of the tablets that were in the ark, that were in the tent or tabernacle. It's a big word there. Testimony. Um, the Greek word that we see in the Greek uh, rendering of the apostolic scriptures, if you uh, ever want to look it up in your strongs, there's a little family of words. You have your, you have your noun and you have your verb, etc. And um, they're in the family of words 3140 to 3144. So a witness, for instance, is, a, is either a martus or a martyr. Does anyone recognize that word martyr? Mm -hmm. Do we have that word in English? What is a martyr in English? Yeah, someone who's lost their life for their faith. Someone who's given their life. Or sometimes, you know, someone who's sacrificed for a cause. They were viewed as a martyr. And we get that word directly from the Greek because a lot of the early followers of Yeshua laid down their lives for his cause. They, uh, they, they sealed their testimony with their own blood. And therefore, they were called witnesses or martyrs. Um, here's something interesting. Every now and then, false witness is a term that pops up in the apostolic scriptures, and that word is pseudo-martyr. Pseudo-martyr is a false witness, or sometimes pseudo-martus. Um, we also have the, the Greek verb to witness or testify, and that word is martureo. Everybody say martureo. And uh, we also have the word for testimony, witness that is given. And uh, that's um, the Greek word marturia or marturion. 
So just kind of gives us some, some feel for the original concepts of this. And I think actually this is kind of a sad thing because in the original languages you have one word for the noun and the verb. But in English it's broken down into two separate words. I'll give you an example. Like we have the, like faith is a noun, it's a thing. Believing is a verb. But they're both basically the same thing, right? We don't talk about faithing it, but faith should be a verb. Like in the Greek, for instance, you have the word pistis, and that functions as both a noun and a verb. In the Hebrew, you have the same thing. You have the, uh, the root for believing, and it's, it's the same word, right? But then we have two words in English for the noun and the verb. It's the same thing. So in English, we have the witness, which is the noun, and then we have the, we have the word to testify, or to give testimony, which is the verb. But it's the same concept, right? So witnesses testify. Testifiers witness. You've got to kind of just we'll, we'll meld those two concepts in our minds as we, as we continue on in this talk. So the big question is, what does a witness do? When a witness is testifying, what does that actually look like? And um, I will, in this talk, I will tell you my conclusion right off the bat, and then I'll give you the scriptures to back it up. And I think you'll, there'll be some interesting things in here. Uh, basically, when you testify to something, when you function as a witness, you are witnessing to what you have seen and heard. So it's basically like you're telling a true story. Witnesses essentially say, this is what happened, and I know because I was there. I was an eyewitness. Right? That's the concept of, uh, of being a witness. I'll give you several scriptures from the writings of Yeshua's apostles. Um, Yeshua, speaking to one of the the Jewish sages, a man named Nakdemon or Nicodemus, in uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 11, says this to him, We speak of what we know, and we testify of what we've seen. So did you hear that? Yeshua is talking about himself as saying, and I, I'm not sure exactly who else he's referring to there because he's using it in the plural. He may be speaking about himself and the Father, or he may be speaking about himself and some of his, um, his um, new disciple associates. Whatever the case may be, he says, we talk about what we know. That's what we're saying. And we testify to what? What we've seen. That's right. Um, later on in that chapter, John chapter 3, verse 32, uh, Yochanan the Immerser, John the Dunker, shall we say, is talking about Yeshua and he says, what he has seen, what Yeshua has seen and heard, of that he testifies. So did you get that? Yeshua came as a witness to tell what he saw and heard. Yeshua's function was as someone who was testifying. In um, the book of the Acts of the Apostles, you know the story about uh, Shaul, Saul, and how um, he was en route to Damascus, and he had a direct run-in with the exalted master, Yeshua himself, and he got knocked off his horse. He ended up blind. He ended up in the house of a guy named Judah in the city of Damascus on a city called the Straight Street. And uh, Yeshua comes to one of his guys in Damascus, a guy named Hananiah, or uh, Ananias in the Greek. And he says, Hananiah. And Hanani says, Hineni. He says, uh, here am I, master. And he says, um, go to the house of Ju Judah. To, uh, he's on Straight Street. And uh, go pray for a guy named Saul, because he's praying. And so anyway, Hanani goes to him. Acts chapter 22, verse 15. Paul is later recounting this story. And this is what Hanani says to Shaul. You will be a witness for Yeshua to all people. Of what? What you've seen and heard. So did you hear that? You will be a witness of what you've seen and heard. I have one more passage for you, just underscoring that concept, that this is what a witness does. Acts chapter 26, verse 16. 
again, Shaul is telling his story. He says he was sitting in the temple and praying, and Yeshua speaks to him directly in a, in, in a, in a trance experience. And this is what he says. Get up and stand on your feet. For this purpose I've appeared to you to appoint you a minister and a witness, not only to the things which you've seen. Did you get that? A witness not only to what you've seen, but also to the things in which I will appear to you. So again, Shaul's primary function was as a witness. He said, this is what I have seen and heard, and I am repeating it to you. Um, there's often, when we use the word witness in our culture, we talk about it in the context of uh, legal scenarios. You know, a witness stands up in court and says, this is what I saw, this is what happened. Um, in the religious world, we'll sometimes use the word witnessing as a verb to talk about sharing our faith in Yeshua. That's pretty, that's pretty common. But actually, we do a lot more witnessing in our culture than just um, when people intentionally share their faith or when someone stands up in court and testifies. Um, everybody witnesses practically every day. It's the, it's the most basic form of communication. It's storytelling. It's recounting something that you experience in your life. I'll give you a cool example of that. In, uh, in the Gospel of John, chapter 12, verse, uh, chapter 12 um, Yeshua raises um, Eleazar, or Lazarus, from the dead. Everybody's jaws are dropping. Um, people are probably screaming. I don't know, maybe some of the women fainted. You don't, you don't often see men who have been dead for four days like come walking out of the tomb with the grave clothes on still. That would be pretty freaky. And uh, not surprisingly, that story really got around in the environs of Jerusalem. And uh, this is what it says. So the people who were with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to what? Testify about him. Now let me ask you, were, they, were these people, were they intentionally going into a court situation to testify? Were these people like, oh, well, I'm a believer in Yeshua now, so I'm going to share my faith. I'm going to witness to others. No, it's just they saw something spectacular. They saw something totally phenomenal, jaw-dropping. And they couldn't help but tell the story. And that, in its most basic form, is what witnessing is. They just they, they experienced something gripping, they saw something extraordinary, and they were telling everybody they saw. They were witnessing. So that's, um, that's an example of this word uh, to testify that I think really helps us to understand it better. Just in terms of telling a story, a remarkable story, a story worth telling. Um, there's one more really interesting usage of this word for, um, for testifying or witnessing, and it pops up quite a few times throughout the, um, the apostolic scriptures. And it's this, um, you, every one of us has a witness, and that's the Greek word for your reputation. So your reputation is your witness. Your reputation is the testimony about you. And again, we would never use that word, right? Like, um, you know, sometimes people talk about giving someone a bad rep, short for a bad reputation, that'd be like the equivalent of saying, giving someone a bad test, a bad testimony, right? But we just don't use that word in that context. But again, like, I'm trying to help us understand the word in those original uh, languages and cultural contexts. Mm -hmm. So basically, like, every one of us has a testimony. Your testimony is your reputation. So when you witness of someone, uh, it basically means you're speaking well of that person. You're making them the hero of the story, you're giving them props, if you're familiar with that term, giving them props. You're contributing to their good reputation. And I will give you um, six scriptures where this, where this verb is used in the sense of giving someone a good reputation or having a good reputation. First uh, Timothy chapter 3, verse 7, Paul's talking about credentials for elders of a community. And he says he must have a good reputation. The Greek word there is marturia. Everybody say marturia. 
So again, you can see that he must have a good martyria or reputation, a good testimony with those outside the congregation so that he won't fall into reproach in the snare of the devil. Uh, Luke chapter 4, verse 22, Yeshua and his gang of disciples go back to his hometown. He's teaching in the synagogue on Shabbat. And this is what it says. And all were speaking well of him. Did you hear that word speaking well of him? The Greek there is martureo. They were witnessing of him. They were testifying to Yeshua. They were speaking well of him and wondering at the gracious words which were falling from his lips. So basically, can you hear that? When you speak well of somebody, you're testifying to that person. Uh, Acts chapter 6 verse 3, the apostles are directing the early, shall we say, messianic community in Jerusalem to uh, select some men to take care of some of the practical matters related to making sure that all of the widows and dependents are fed. And they say, therefore, brothers, select from among you seven men of good reputation, good martyreo, full of the spirit and of wisdom whom may, we may put in charge of this task. And of course, then seven men with good testimonies were selected. Um, in Acts chapter 10, verse 22, the messenger sent from Cornelius, a tough and devout centurion in charge of a hundred Roman soldiers, said this to Simon Peter, Cornelius, a centurion, a righteous and God-fearing man, well spoken of, guess what the Greek word is there for well spoken of, martyreo, by the entire nation of the Jews, was divinely directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and hear a message from you. So again, um, Cornelius was a man with a testimony. Cornelius was a man of whom people witnessed. This is a good guy. Um, Acts chapter 16 verse 2 mentions Timothy. This is what it says about Timothy. He was well spoken of. He was martyreo by the brothers who were in Lystra and Iconium. And finally, Acts chapter 22 verse 12, we read about Hanania or Ananias, who popped up a little earlier in this talk already. A certain Hanania, a man who is devout by the standard of the Torah and well spoken of or martyreo by all the Jews who lived there. So those are six passages where this concept of witnessing to somebody or testifying just means giving them props, um, speaking well of that person, making them the hero of the story. I don't know, does that already give you a, maybe a fuller sense of what it means to witness to Yeshua's cause, to testify to the gospel? It's about speaking well of the master. It's about making him the hero of your story. It's about contributing to his good reputation in your social circle or on Facebook or at your job site or with your family, uh, whatever the case may be. And uh, it's pretty neat because that's something that every one of us can do. And I know that that's something that every one of us does. It's kind of neat. I kind of wonder how often do we testify of Yeshua without using the word testify? How often are we functioning as his witnesses without even thinking like, yeah, I'm functioning as a witness right now, you know. So maybe that gives us a fuller concept of what it is a witness does, just the, uh, the, the, the bare techni technical um, nuts and bolts of that. Okay, we are going to look at a series of witnesses in the history of the world and in the history of God's people Israel and then in the history of the early Yeshua movement. Uh, both in the, in the time of Yeshua and the writing of the Gospels and also in the early first couple centuries of, shall we say, early church history, or the early Yeshua movement. And we're not going to do all of this today, but um, this is going to be a, really give us a good sense of this word too. The first person, so this is going to be talking about who, right? We kind of looked at the what, what a witness does. Now we're going to look at who. Who historically has been a witness? Who is a witness? The first person that we are going to look at who is a witness is the creator of the universe himself. Elohim, God, is a witness. 
That is what he does. He witnesses. Uh, Yeshua, in the Gospel of Yochanan, chapter 8, verse 18, said this about his father. The father who sent me testifies about me. So the, the Elohim or God in whose image each of us were created, he is a witness. Like the, the, your maker in whose likeness you are, he is a witness. What, is that, what does that tell me about me created in his image? I am, I am a witness. It's not like try to be a witness. It's not like just, I don't know, like just um, grit and groan and gumption and a little more willpower here. It's like, no, th this is who you are. Because the father is a witness and he's your father. So that's, a, that's something very exciting. It's interesting what exactly it is that the father testifies of. The father passionately testifies of his son, Yeshua. So people who are hearing from the father, people who are functioning in the father's spirit, will also be testifying of Yeshua. You can't spend time with Abba for very long and not start hearing about Yeshua. That's what he does. Um, the second person who is a witness and testifies is the Spirit, God the Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh. Um, I'll read you a couple of passages about that. It's interesting, this theme of like testifying is really strong in um, the writings of Yochanan, John. Uh, for instance, in, in his Gospel, chapter 15, verses 26 and 27, this is what Yeshua says on his last night with his disciples over the Passover meal. He says, When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of Truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. And you will testify also, because you've been with me from the beginning. So what does the Holy Spirit sent to us as a community of disciples do? He testifies. And who does he testify of? Yeshua, that's right. So if someone is, if someone is um, charismatic in the, in the truest sense of the word, if someone is functioning in the Holy Spirit, you will be able to tell because they will not be able to stop talking about Yeshua. They will not be able to stop witnessing to Yeshua, making him look good, contributing to his good reputation, speaking well of him, making him the hero of the story. Because when the Holy Spirit comes, the Holy Spirit is really humble. The Holy Spirit doesn't come in and say, look at me, I need attention, everybody in the building. No, the Holy Spirit is very humble. The Holy Spirit points to Yeshua. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if we're functioning in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, if that might not also be the case with us. Sometimes when people are functioning or are claiming to function in the Holy Spirit, what they're really doing is drawing all the attention to themselves. And I, sometimes I wonder, is that the Holy Spirit? Because the job of the Holy Spirit is to point to Yeshua, mm -hmm. to make Him the center of attention. So I, I think that can sometimes be a litmus test when we, when we look at someone who is obviously operating in a spirit. You can sometimes tell if they're operating in the, the, the true spirit, the Holy Spirit, because they will be testifying of Yeshua. They will be making him the center of attention. That's something that I would conclude from this passage. It's interesting that in the same breath, Yeshua doesn't just say, the Holy Spirit's gonna testify of me. He says, and you guys are going to too. Seems like maybe there's a little teamwork going on here between the Spirit of God and uh, Yeshua's Talmudim. Uh, we have another, uh, we have another, uh, instance where Yeshua's um, apostles, after his exaltation and ascension to uh, the Father's right hand in the heavens, where he is right now, they're um, 
talking to the Sanhedrin, I believe it is, in, in the, the book of the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 5, verse 32. And this is what they say. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey Him. So you can hear that there, hey? It's the same thing. It's not just we are witnesses to these things. It's not just the Holy Spirit is witnesses to these things. It's like the Holy Spirit and we are working very closely together to testify of Yeshua, to make him look good, to show how he is the hero of the story. There's one more passage in... Um, in um, John, later on, as a, as a sage in the early Yeshua movement, long after the other apostles were martyred for the cause, he, uh, he wrote an epistle, and this is something he said in chapter 5, verse 6. It's the Spirit who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. So again, we just hear that, we just hear that theme. The Spirit is a witness, and that is what the Spirit does. Witnesses, testifies. First uh, John, chapter 5, verse 6. The next person that we see who is a witness or martyr is uh, Yeshua himself. In um, the writings of a Hebrew prophet named Yeshayahu, Isaiah chapter 43 verse 10. This is interesting in his book because this was written centuries before Yeshua came on the scene. This was written before the Jewish people were exiled to Babylon, before they came back and rebuilt the temple. This is, um, this is what he says in chapter 43, verse 10. You are my witnesses, declares Yahweh, and my servant whom I have chosen. So did you hear that? You are my witnesses and my servant. Who is, who is the servant figure in the book of Isaiah? That's Yeshua, that's right. It's an, and some people would say, well, no, that's actually the people of Israel. But there are times when God speaks of Israel and his servant. So we know they're not one and the same person in all, in all cases. Yes, the people, yes, Israel is his servant. It's also very true that Yeshua is his specially selected and unique servant. So he says, my servant whom I've chosen so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no Elohim formed, and there will be none after me. So centuries before Yeshua is even born, he already has his job description laid out for him. Just as Israel is called to be witnesses to Yahweh, the creator of the universe, Yeshua is like, you could say, like the, the, um, the ultimate Jew, the quintessential son of Israel. His mission is also to witness to Yahweh and who he is. We have another passage here. I love this one. Two kings are facing off with each other. One is a true king. One is actually a governor and something of a puppet. Um, one king has like a very strong spine. He's got some backbone and the other one doesn't. One's name is Yeshua and the other's name is Pilate, Pontius Pilate. In the uh, Gospel of Yochanan, chapter 18, verse 37, this is, um, we get to listen into this one-on-one -on -one conversation between these two men. And this is what Pilate says to him. So, you're a king. Yeshua answered, this is Yeshua's response to um, Pilate, who of course was Caesar's representative in the land of Israel. You say correctly that I am a king. For this I've been born. And for this I've come into the world to testify, to testify to the truth. Everyone who's of the truth hears my voice. So did you hear that? I love that. Yeshua states explicitly, I was born for something. 
I was born to testify. I was born to testify to the truth. So like Yeshua came from the Father into this world on a mission to function as a witness to the truth. Let me ask you, do you think Yeshua could even help himself? No. When, when the Spirit of Truth came upon him at his immersion, when he was filled with the Spirit of Truth, do you think he could even help himself? I mean, I don't know, of course he had a choice in the matter, right? But you just get the sense like Yeshua is the truth incarnate and he is mantled by the spirit of truth himself. Like that's a very powerful duo. Like that is the ultimate one-two combo to, uh, to use boxing terms. And um, he testified to everyone of the truth. So I just, I love that. Like Yeshua was born to testify to the truth. Um, here's an interesting example of that in uh, the Gospel of John chapter 7, verse 7. Uh, Yeshua's talking to his bros. They're like, come on, we're going to go up, we're gonna go up to Jerusalem for Sukkot. Come with us. And you know what? You really got to kind of get your act together here. Like if you, if you want to, if you want, if you, you really need to be a little more public about who you are, you know? And so they're like talking to him and Yeshua's like, guys, you know, you guys just go ahead, go up to Jerusalem for Sukkot. I'm, I'm not going. And um, then this is what he says. The world can't hate you. You know, talking to his brothers. The world can't hate you, but it hates me. Why? Because I testify of it, that its deeds are evil. Did you notice that? If like you have a public figure and they just really shoot straight and say, you know what? What, what the majority culture is doing is wrong. That's just evil. I don't know. That doesn't go over very well in, in, in our culture and maybe, maybe never. Because apparently um, that is something that Yeshua functioned also. He probably came across as judgmental sometimes. Probably people looked at him and were like, that guy's really legalistic because he was the truth incarnate and because he was born to testify to the truth. And the truth was a lot of the people in his day were doing wrong. They were, their, their deeds were evil and even some of their religious deeds were evil. You know, Yeshua tackled some stuff that for instance, um, some of the Pharisees were doing and that did not go over very well. He said, what you guys are doing is evil. That's just evil. And these were like the righteous dudes of the day, supposedly. These were the guys who supposedly were really good and had it all together, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, that didn't go over well. That kind of got them killed, actually. Mm -hmm. So just to take note of that. When, when the spirit of truth rises up in you, and when the spirit testifies through you that, that the culture is doing things that are evil, it might get you killed. Just remember, Yeshua was the first to go that way. So don't, don't, be, too, don't be too afraid of that. Um, in the book of the Revelation of Yeshua the Messiah, that again his disciple Yochanan wrote, uh, basically this was like the ancient, th this was on an island that was like the ancient version of Alcatraz. It's where they put people away where they do not want them to escape. It's called Patmos in his time. Um, this, is what, this, is, this is the way he talks about Yeshua in chapter 1 verse 5. He says, Yeshua the Messiah, the faithful witness, the faithful martyr. So that's neat. Yeshua wasn't just described as a witness or martyr. He was described as a faithful witness, a faithful martyr. In uh, the book of the Revelation of Yeshua the Messiah, chapter 3, verse 14, in, one of, in a letter to an early Messianic community in the region now known as Turkey, Yeshua, describing himself, describes himself as the Amen, the faithful and true martyr, the faithful and true witness. So, as a community of Yeshua's disciples, we have a hero who laid down his life as a martyr for the cause of truth. We, we follow a leader who testified to God's truth as he expressed it in his word. And it did cost him his life. 
We, we, we follow a man who was murdered, who died a bloody premature death because he was sent on a mission for God and that's why he was born. That, that, is, that is the strain that we belong to. That is our spiritual DNA. That is like what is built into us as a community. And Yeshua is our hero for that. Um, one more passage about Yeshua as a witness and him testifying is in the book of the Revelation of Yeshua, chapter 22, verse 20. This is what it says, some of the concluding lines of holy writ. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming quickly. Amen. Come, Master Yeshua. Did you hear that? Yohanan writes this book of prophecy that became known as the Apocalypse or the, uh, the Revelation. And um, at the conclusion of this book, he says that Yeshua is the one who testifies to these things. So, Tomorrow morning, when you open up the Holy Word and you study it, next time you read the Word with your family or whoever, just remember, there is a man out there named Yeshua, and he testifies to the Word of God. From, from the beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation, Yeshua will testify to the Word. So when you're studying it, you may find Yeshua coming alongside you and testifying to the veracity of the truths in this book. When you... When you begin to explain things that you're learning to other people, telling stories from the Bible, you may find Yeshua right there with you, testifying alongside you. Or, or maybe it's the other way around. Maybe you're actually coming alongside Yeshua and joining Him as He testifies of the truths of the, of the Word of Elohim to, uh, to, to the world. But that, that kind of excites me. Like, there's a guy who testifies to this book. And if I want to come alongside him, if I want to get to know him better... Studying this book and talking about it to the people in my life, may, I may find myself closer to him than ever before. I may find myself like building a, a deeper rapport with him than I'm ever, I've, I've ever had. Maybe that's like one of those paths to intimacy with the master, if we could, uh, if we could put it that way. I'm debating whether to go a little bit more, go a little bit more this morning or not. <laughs> do you guys feel like full spiritually? Was that good, or should we do a tiny bit more? I'll let you decide. <laughs> a little bit more. Okay, we'll, we'll do a tiny bit more. Um, Yeshua was the leader of like an, a, a gang of disciples like we talked about. He, he, was, he started a movement, and that movement at the beginning was in the land of Israel, and it was limited to the Jewish community, but there was a point when it jumped out. It started going to the nations of the world, beginning with men like Cornelius, that soldier in the land of Judea, and then up in a big metropolitan city called Antioch, north of Israel. Uh, some Jewish disciples began talking to the Greeks about Yeshua. And like there's a ton of Greeks that came to believe in Yeshua. And they were like, what do we do with this? We, we thought this was an intra-Jewish faith, basically, eh? And uh, the, all these Greeks are believing in Yeshua. What are we going to do? So the apostles sent a couple guys up to Antioch to kind of check it out and um, give them a little bit of direction. Um, one of them was named Barnaba. And um, it's a fascinating story. It's the story of the Yeshua movement and how it began to unfold. But after Yeshua was crucified and buried and raised from the dead, as he said would happen many times before his death and was, and was, was prophesied by quite a few of the prophets of Israel, um, he, 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 he ascended to the Father and he gave his, um, his apostles a mission. Apostles are like 
ambassadors, representatives, emissaries, right? And he had this inner circle of guys that spent several years with him, and then he sent them out with this mission. And um, they were actually real losers. They were really weak need. Like, Yeshua, it's his last night, and Simon Peter, who is nicknamed The Rock, just buckles before this, like, kid servant girl. It's like, oh, I don't know Yeshua, like, ouch. Like, think about it for Yeshua, right? Like, you're the son of God, you came to earth, you spent 30 years in obscurity, then you had just a couple of years with these guys, and you poured into them, and it's the last night before you're gone, and they're just, they're fudging it already. Like, they're denying you. Like, what are you going to do? It's really humbling. I'm sure that was humbling for Simone, too. But, you know, it wasn't too long after that, after Yeshua was raised from the dead, that he sent his spirit into the midst of his community. And he just, like, he galvanizingly changed them from the inside out. And all of a sudden, they got really fierce. Like, they would not back down to anybody. They were up before the Sanhedrin. And they were, like, shooting straight and saying, you guys murdered an innocent man. And, uh... Never mind buckling before servant girls. Like, these guys were ready to die. This is something that Yeshua's apostles did also. They functioned as witnesses. They testified to Yeshua's cause. In Acts chapter 10, verses 39 to 41, um, this is something that Simon says to send to, uh, again to, um, to Cornelius. He says, We are witnesses of all the things he did, both in the land of Judea and in Jerusalem. So did you hear that? Yeshua's emissaries viewed themselves as witnesses of what? Yeah, and here it says specifically of all the things he did. So they were able to say, we were with the guy, we were eyewitnesses, da 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 da. This is what he did. He goes on, they go on to say, they also put him to death by hanging him on a cross. Elohim, God, raised him up on the third day and granted that he become visible not to all the people, but to who? witnesses who were chosen beforehand by Elohim God. That is to say, to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. So did you hear that? Right there, they're saying, guys, we are witnesses. We were chosen as eyewitnesses. So firstly, we see that the apostles testified to what Yeshua did in the early movement. Um, here are a couple more passages about what the apostles saw their job being, um, what they testified to. Um, Shimon Kepha, or Simon Peter, in his um, first letter, chapter 5, verse 1, says this, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Messiah. So, you know, there were a very few number of people who were there on that dark day when the Master died a bloody death. And he was saying, I was one of those few people. I saw him, like, scourged. I saw his blood run. I saw him nailed up. I heard him scream in agony. I was a witness of his sufferings. In Acts chapter 2, verse 32, this is what the apostles say. This Yeshua, God raised up again, to which we're all witnesses. So here, what are they saying? They weren't just witnesses of his suffering, they're witnesses of his resurrection. That's right. They're saying, Elohim raised him from the dead, and we saw it with our own eyes. Acts chapter 4, verse 33, says this, with great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Master Yeshua. And abundant grace was upon them all. So these guys were testifying to what? That's right, the resurrection of the Master Yeshua. I, I think this, was one of the, this is one of the key themes in the early chapters of Acts. The apostles testifying that Yeshua is alive from the dead. The Father raised him from the dead. I'll just give you a list of references here, and you can look up a couple others if you want in your spare time. Acts chapter 1, verse 22. 3, verse 15. 
5 verse 32, 10 verse 39, 10 verse 41, and 13 verse 31. These are all passages where the apostles explicitly state that their job is to tell the world that Yeshua is not dead anymore. That he, was, that he came back to life, that he was resurrected. It's actually, I think it's a really, it's a really helpful um, way to read the Gospels. Like, read the Gospels as eyewitness accounts from men who were chosen by Yeshua to testify of him, to tell of what he did. I'll give you um, three short passages along those lines to, to finish this talk today. At the end of the Gospel of John, chapter 19, verse 35, this is what he says. And he who has seen has testified. And his testimony is true. And he knows that he's telling the truth so that you also may believe. So did you hear that? The Gospel of John primarily is written as an eyewitness testimony of what Yeshua did, of the things that he said, of his sufferings, and then of his resurrection. Um, likewise, two chapters later, at the very end of the book, Yohanan chapter 21 verse 24 says this, This is the Talmud, the disciple, who is testifying to these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. So can you hear that? Why did he write that book? What did he see as one of his primary like, job descriptions? Yeah, yeah, that's right. To testify of Yeshua, his beloved rabbi. And then finally, in um, the book of the revelation of Yeshua the Messiah, written by the same guy, chapter 1, verse 2, this is what he says. He testified to the word of Elohim, God, and to the testimony of Yeshua the Messiah, even to all that he saw. So it's not just the Gospels. The book of Revelation, for instance, is primarily, it's the record of an eyewitness who saw something that Yeshua showed him, who heard things from, from God himself as the word of God. So that's, that's the start of our talk, just uh, asking, what is a witness? What does it mean in, um, in, the, Hebrew, in the Hebrew culture, in the Greek language, to, to testify of something or someone? Um, who were the original witnesses? The Father, the Holy Spirit, Yeshua, and then his, his, um, his chosen inner circle who, uh, who stood before the Jewish people and testified of Yeshua's cause and then who wrote it down as eyewitnesses in the Gospels. It's really exciting. Um, next talk, I want to look at some of the witnesses in the Gospels, people who had a story about things that Yeshua did. And uh, we're going to look at uh, quite a few other, other things about that. And then we're going to talk about some like functional stuff, like how do we as a community function as witnesses? What are some very effective ways that we can testify to Yeshua's cause that we're already doing that? Shalom, I'm Izzy Avraham, and thank you for joining me for this talk. I delivered these messages live during the years I was leading a congregation. They're now hosted by my Hebrew school, Holy Language Institute, at holylanguage.com. If you're interested in the talks I've done since then, or if you'd just like to say thank you for these teachings, become a member at holylanguage.com.